Welcome to the Moose Room. It's uh, just Brad today, which could be really dangerous. Joe and Emily are out traveling, probably on airplanes right now, so they left me alone, which means, well, I could talk about whatever I want because they're not here policing it. I could say Hereford and Jersey and add to the numbers, but I guess we'll we'll behave today. And uh, we wanted to answer a listener question and I'll talk a little bit about that and maybe a few other things that's happening from a forage perspective here at our research center. Question comes from Kevin Dietzel is a loyal listener and dairy grazer. Uh, we've had him on the podcast before. Hello Moserum. This is Kevin Dietzel from Hamilton County, Iowa. I have a couple questions for mostly Brad about nutrient management things. First off, uh, what do you do with your bedded pack manure? Do you compost it first or do you spread it straight onto the field? Does any go onto pastures? And uh, second question, uh, what is your overall nutrient management strategy for pastures? Do you soil sample regularly? What kind of fertilizers do you use and so forth? And do you have a different strategy for organic pastures versus conventional pastures. All right, thanks, bye. So our bedded pack barn, so many of you know, we outwinter our cattle. Uh, we generate a lot of manure with uh, our straw packs for our outwintering cows, uh, as well as our compost bedded pack barn. I guess we, we bed with straw, chopped straw. We don't really use sawdust anymore. We, we don't use sawdust anymore for maybe two reasons. One is cost. It's really costly out here in Western Minnesota to truck a lot of sawdust in. And the second reason is we were finding that the sawdust or chopped wood shavings were tying up the nitrogen in our corn. So we'd spread it on the land and uh, it was, you know, it takes nitrogen to break down the wood and we were seeing reduced corn yield. So we really stopped with the, the sawdust and the shavings. We use a little bit, but not, not a lot. But with our compost packs, we actually let them compost before we spread them on fields or pastures. So, and it kind of depends on how much manure we need. But if I think about it today, our compost bedded pack barn, as well as our outwintering piles from this past winter. So we took cows off of those wintering lots late April. So they've been composting. So they're composting with uh, straw and manure and uh, we're you know, pushing it up, probably not as much as what we should, maybe once a month, trying to get it to turn to heat up. So we, we also have a sort of clay compost area where we compost a lot of our straw and manure, as well as we generate a lot of straw and manure from our hog barn. So we have a deep bedded farrowing barn and have uh, pigs that are an outdoor straw pack. So we have a lot of manure and that's composted as well. So we really like to compost it for about six months before we spread it on the fields, probably in the fall is typically when we spread a lot of this. So our cows come out April, early May, 
we compost and spread it in the fall after we've harvested corn or soybeans. So a lot of it goes on our uh, organic land uh, because that's our really only nutrient source for our crops. But we also spread it on some of our conventional land uh, as well. Um, so we don't have to use a lot of nitrogen fertilizers because we're generating enough manure from our cattle and our pigs here at our research center. So we do, in a nutshell, we let it compost, helps break down some of that uh, straw that's in there and uh, provides a really good nutrient source. The downside of that is we generate a lot of flies. So flies love to be in the compost. That's where stable flies lay their eggs. So the biting flies that are on cow's legs that bite them, that's from straw packs more than likely or debris. So it, there's kind of a trade-off that we have to decide. You know, we, we want good fertility for our, our land, but we also generate some flies uh, from that. So it's, it's not a perfect situation, but we continue to compost that. The other question goes with our sort of nutrient management plan with our pastures. Well, I, I believe in soil sampling our pastures to see what's there. Now, we will sample them maybe every three to five years. It's probably been about five years, eh, about three years since we really did some extensive soil sampling on our pastures. You know, once in a while we take individual pastures if we kind of have a feeling they're low and something not generating as much grass. So we'll, we'll sample those sporadically. Uh, but this spring, I did a full soil analysis on all of our pastures. So we have nine pastures for our milking cows that, that we sampled. Um, I, you know, grid sampled them, took many uh, different subsoil samples down to six inches. Uh, around each pasture that we have and sent them to, we use Midwest laboratories. There's many different laboratories that you can use to send those in. I, I recommend you soil sample your pastures because it might provide some insight into what's going on. And some of these were not really what I expected. We have one pasture that we have uh, Kernza on. So it's kind of a Kernza and alfalfa that we use for grazing. We don't harvest grain, so we use it mostly for grazing. And it produces good forage, but it was starting to go down in production maybe a little bit. So we sampled it. And it was quite interesting. Actually, the organic matter was about 4.0, and that's in our Kernza pasture. Some of our other pastures are close to almost 7% organic matter. But this Kerns of pasture was very low in phosphorus, so not much phosphorus availability at all. It was low in potassium, actually high in magnesium and calcium. So we probably need some phosphorus on this pasture to help keep the, the grass growing and get good production. And we'll use that probably from our manure. So we'll uh, this fall, we'll probably spread some composted manure. We have some liquid hog manure that we can spread on the field as well. So we'll probably maybe use a combination to increase the, the phosphorus level of the pastures. It kind of needs some help. It's pretty low in nitrates as well. Uh, so we don't uh, have uh, many nitrates in that pasture. So that one maybe needs a little help and I wouldn't expect it. The, the forage, it looks good. We've grazed it a couple times here already uh, this year, but you never know. Some of the other pastures, like I said, they're 
pretty high in organic matter, you know, range from 4.6 to almost 7. You know, it depends on the pasture. Um, some of our pastures are pretty low in phosphorus. Some are really high in phosphorus. So it just depends on cattle loads on those. All of our pastures are good for magnesium and calcium. So we really don't need to add any of that. Our soil pHs are 7.4 to 7.8. One thing that we've also noticed, uh, if you look at the surface nitrogen or nitrate nitrogen, it's pretty variable quite low uh, across most of the pastures. So we don't really have a, a big nitrogen issue, not from a runoff standpoint. So some of our pastures actually could use some nitrogen. If you look at some of the other minerals in there that we consider when we're grazing, our pastures are low in sulfur, they're high in zinc, low in manganese, very high in iron. So Western Minnesota, there's lots of iron. They're high in copper kind of medium for boron. So we might consider putting some sulfur on our pastures. If you look at, you know, our, our soil fertility recommendations that we got from our soil sampling, it says that our pastures could use a little nitrogen and some phosphate. Now, not all of them could use some phosphate, but some uh, could. The Kearns of pasture that I was talking about says that we could use some nitrogen, some phosphate, some potash, and some zinc. So how are we going to do that? Well, we're pretty much going to use manure that we generate from our cows or pigs. We have tended not to use any other fertilizer sources. You know, all of our pastures are, are organic, so we pretty much have to use manure. Now, you could use some synthetic fertilizers and such if, if you're not organic, and, and they, they work. Uh, but we kind of have to think about it differently and use the, the resources that we have, and that's, that's manure. So we're going to uh, go into these fields, uh, spread probably our composted manure on our pasture, maybe some uh, liquid dairy lagoon uh, water that we have in the fall, and probably do some reseeding as well into these pastures uh, to try and increase legumes, grasses, uh, things like that. So that's kind of where we sit with our nutrient management plan. I like to use manure. Uh, we don't do anything uh, on our other pastures. It's pretty much cows. Stocking rates of cows. Uh, I use the cows to put manure on pasture. And if I need a little more in certain places, well, we can increase the stocking rate and, and keep the cows there for a little bit longer. So I think it's uh, pretty essential that we use our cows to be able to, to spread manure and make it even distribution across our pastures. So all that fertility sort of helps with our, our pasture growth and, and we're exploring a lot of different forages for our pastures and how to increase actually legumes in there. So we have a project going on now with the University of New Hampshire that's looking at increasing legumes in our pastures. You know, red clover, uh, we're using white clover, bird's foot trefoil, cura clover, uh, and alfalfa to try and increase the diversity of our pastures. Our, our pastures here, some are, are very diverse. Some are not quite monoculture, but don't have much uh, diversity in them. A lot of them are brome grass pastures. The pastures that are doing great have orchard grass, fescue, and some red clover in it. And that tends to be my mix of choice right now is meadow fescue, orchard grass, red clover, maybe a little bit of alfalfa in there. 
so we're trying to increase the legumes uh, in our pasture and, and it's going well. We're, we're finding, you know, the red clover does well here where we're at. Red clover is, is a great forage. The cows love it. Uh, they can do well off of it. Um, we probably don't want as much in our pasture. We're using about six pounds per acre of that uh, in our pastures. The cur clover is great. We have a lot of cura clover in our pastures. Uh, some uh, that that some researchers had planted many years ago, and and it spreads very well, and it's very hardy if you can get it established. Uh, getting it established can be a, a challenge, but the cows really love cura clover, and uh, uh, do well on it. It blends right in, makes a very good diverse pasture with fescue and, and orchard grass, and, and even some of the brome grasses. So we're looking at that, uh, another graduate student, she'll probably join us uh, on the podcast here a little bit, tell us what she's doing, but she's been uh, planting some forages with our, our solar systems to try and see which do well in more shade and in the sun, planting some clovers and monoculture along with other grass species. So it's kind of an interesting project that's happening, trying to look more at, at how we can increase our forage production in our pastures. It's, it's difficult. You know, I was on a farm last week that, that has irrigation as well. And man, that the pastures were beautiful, diverse, the uh, fescues, orchard grasses, clovers, chicory. It was just, it was wonderful being out in those pastures. So there's a, a lot of good things about irrigation that can be done. We don't have irrigation in our pastures, so, so it can be a challenge in the hot weather that we're seeing right now. So we're, we're going to keep going with uh, some of this research on grazing and looking at fertility. Uh, we, I'm kind of a firm believer in, in rotating some of our pastures, uh, maybe ripping them up, uh, reseeding, uh, interseeding grasses and, and other species in there to sort of keep them going. Uh, you know, they need help. They can't keep going uh, without without some help, either fertility or additional seed in the seed bank. So yeah, that's kind of what we're doing uh, here at, in Morris. Uh, keep going with that. We'll probably wrap that up today. You know, kind of pay attention the next few weeks. We got some guests coming on. Uh, we'll have uh, some of my grad students talking about a few of their projects. Also looking into some beef sustainability uh, issues uh some other dairy producers uh, might join us so keep listening we'll we'll see where we're going and um i suppose i'm you know i wrote down the uh the stuff today that i'm supposed to say so i can remember i know i've screwed it up before so if you have any questions about what we're doing you want to talk to joe or emily uh, you can email all of us at the moose room at umn.edu that's t-h-e-m-o-o-s-r-o-o-m at umn.edu, or you can leave us a, a voicemail, 612-624-3610, and uh, let us know if you'd like to hear uh, any topics uh, that we should discuss, or uh, anything that uh, you'd like to hear about, so uh, we'll uh, talk to you again.